Man, it's great to see all y'all today. Beautiful Sunday. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're here. I'm David. I'm the pastor. I mean, it's every week. One more people keep coming. We're so thankful for that. Everybody trying to get back their life. Uh, people, especially people who are fairly new, may wonder, you know, COVID guidelines and all that. We have them printed up on our website. Uh, you know, we, we go over all that. State police are our next door neighbors. We have a great relationship with them. We let them know what we're doing. Talk to, talk to the Department of Environmental Safety a couple times, and uh, they know our policy well. And not only that, they know how we conduct it. So they know what Sunday morning looks like, all right? They understand, and they're all like, you guys just, you're fine. So we're good, and we're praising the Lord, and we're excited. And we're in a series right now. Sorry. I don't know if I should, I don't know what I said, but I'm going to just re- re- rewind what I said so we can get that again. I don't know, but... Uh, we're praising the Lord right now. And so uh, we're in a series called The Man After God's Own Heart. And it's about David. And, uh, it, it, you know, we began the first of September. And we see David as a man who honored God. You know, and he honored God in his faith. And he honored God in his obedience. And last week we saw that, you know, when, when there was an opportunity to, to kind of do things his own way, he honored God with the, with the way he did what he did. I mean, honoring God is, is just what matters in his life. And, and, and we're going to come now and kind of next few weeks kind of, kind of look at David in a different way. We have seen mainly his vertical relationship with God. That's how you honor God. But the relationships are both vertical and horizontal. We love God, love others. And now we're getting into some of those human relationships and how we still can honor God. And we want to look at a heart connected to God today. And as we look at a heart connected to God, we're going to be now in 2 Samuel chapter 6. In verse 12, here's how it goes. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. And David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. We Baptists love that. And David was wearing... Of linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. And then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and she saw David, King David, leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. But when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. And so David said to Michael, it is before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord And I will be more lightly esteemed than this, and will be humble in my own eyes. But with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished or honored. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So here's the thing in this message that I want you to see today. To honor God, we must sometimes overcome difficult relationships. If you're going to honor God, sometimes you've got to overcome difficult relationships. And I'll begin today with a little background information. I'm going to talk about uh, good love gone bad. You know, some of you been there. It sounds like the words could be in the lyrics of a 1970 uh, 38 special song. And, and they probably could. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, the love, you know, love looks good and, 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 and it goes bad. And so I, I shared with you, you know, the Old Testament can be tough. And I, and I get it. And if you're a fairly new Christian or not a Christian, it's really difficult. Try to understand the Old Testament for all it does points to something. It points to Jesus. The New Testament fulfills all the Old Testament points to 
And as I share with you, really the Old Testament revolves around three people. I know it revolves around God. I get all that. But from a human standpoint, three people, Abraham, Moses, and David. And so we're kind of looking at things related to David. And one of the things that I share with you is that in 1 Samuel 18, through the end of 1 Samuel chapter 31, what we have with David is this conflict between him and Saul. Really, it's between Saul and David. Saul is the current king. God's going to take his kingdom away, give it to David. David's already been anointed king, and Saul is after David, and David hasn't done anything. He's trying to avoid the conflict with Saul. And what we have to also realize is a backstory kind of hidden in all of that. And that backstory hidden in there is David's relationship to his wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, which is really what we're dealing with today. And so in, in 1 Samuel 14, we are introduced to two daughters that Saul has, Merib and, and Michael. And we see that Michael, as the story progresses, begins to fall in love with David. Now, David, even in chapter 16, before Goliath, he's already kind of in Saul's court. And as I shared with you back in the very first message, David's college age. He's not a boy. You know, if you, if you haven't, weren't here for that message, go back. It's called, you know, the, the legend begins and, and understand why. He's 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age. And then Michael, you know, she's probably like 15 or 16. And here's this David, and he's, and he's in Saul's court. He hadn't even done the Goliath thing. He plays the harp. And so we'll make it a little more modern. He just plays strums the guitar. You know, he's a poet. And she's just in love with him. And she's just infatuated. And David does this. He goes out and beats Goliath. And now she's just in crazy in love. And all the young girls are. I mean, the young girls used to sing this really beautiful romantic song about David. They used to sing, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed the tens of thousands. How much more heart-touching of a song is that? I mean, Taylor Swift couldn't write those words any better. I mean, it's just a pouring out of, of her heart, you know. And she's in love. And so David kills Goliath, and he's supposed to marry Saul's oldest daughter. Um, but, but, but Saul cancels that. And so Michael and, and thinks, this is it. And, and she goes to her daddy. And in 1 Samuel 18, 20, here's what she tells her daddy. She comes to him, and she says, uh, to, uh, to Saul's daughter, says, I love David. Michael, Saul's daughter, said, love David. And, and Saul thought, I will give her to him that she may become a snare to him, and that the Philistines may be against him. Notice, she tells her dad she loves him, and her dad says, good, I will use my daughter to get to, Saul, to David. Look, it's David killed. And she doesn't know this part, and she didn't realize this part, but th there's this, in the intrigue, now here's this tension, okay? Saul wants to kill David, going to use his daughter Michael in that relationship, going to tell David, if you want to marry my daughter, you got to go kill ten, uh, 100 Philistines, He's got to go kill a hundred Philistines. I mean, and, and David so loves, so loves Michael. He doesn't kill a hundred, and Saul doesn't think he'll do it. He kills 200. Nothing says I love you like killing Philistines, man. <laughs> Guys, you want to show your love, you find a Philistine or two, but you show that woman you love her. I mean, that's the whole thing. And so he does it, and so they get married, and everything looks good. But Saul still wants to kill David, and so in chapter 19, he's trying to kill David. And so Michael finds out, and she helps David escape. And she helps David escape. And then Saul comes, and, and Saul's all ticked. And so Michael, you know, not knowing what to do, just tells Saul, look, you know, David made me or said he was going to kill me. And there's the first problem. So Saul takes her out of David's house, and he removes her. And he's going to give her away. Now, when you come to 1 Samuel 25, 1 Samuel, in the Bible, lots of times there's summation passages, things that summarize or kind of bring certain parts to a conclusion to move the story along. In 1 Samuel 25, we find out that David marries this widow named Abigail. So now David has another wife besides Michael. Then we find out he has two wives because he married a hen of him. And she's not even mentioned. So David has two wives. Now, you know, 
I understand this is difficult. We cannot judge that time by our time. I, I get it. God never condones having more than one wife. And every guy that had more than one wife or had more than one woman be a father of a child, Abraham, Jacob, uh, early in, in 1 Samuel, Akana, David, oh, Solomon, my goodness, did he have so many. He never got that memo. I mean, all those guys, they all had problems. They all had problems. It doesn't, doesn't escape David. But he didn't commit adultery because for David to commit adultery, he had to take another man's wife, which next week we'll see him do. But here's what happened. He had those women, and he married some other. And, and then in verse 45 of 25, here's what we told. we're told. We're that, told that Michael was given to another man. She was given to a man named Pilty, Pilty version of Pilty. And so what happened is, somehow it was either punishment for her lying or because of, of his hatred to David or whatever, Saul, the king, took his daughter, and against, you know, she had no say in it, gave her to another man. And so here's what she got. And you got as, as 1 Samuel's going to come to a close. You have David... And Michael, the future king and the queen, separated, married to other people, and you have this good love gone bad. And this is where our story goes forward. We're going to look at these two people now in the passage we're in, and we're going to, we're going to look at Michael first and see the bitter heart. We're going to see a heart that's bitter. Can you imagine, I mean, just, just for a moment, try to you know, put this into a you know, Hallmark movie or something. Here's this beautiful girl, and she's young, and she's just in love. She's in love with this guy, David, and he's so dreamy. I mean, he plays the guitar, and he's a, he's a hero, and he kills people, you know, for a dad. I mean, all the things a woman wants back then. And, and he was supposed to marry your sister, but he doesn't, and now he's available. And she goes to her, Dad, I love him. I love him so much, Dad. Let me marry him. And the dad agrees. And then he does this crazy thing. He puts this impossible dowry. You've got to kill 100 Philistines. Now, you know, a lot of scholars, they read all this, and i got to be honest with you, so many times biblical scholars are so gloomy and they are so cynical. You know, David kills the hundred Philistines so he can get into the family of Saul and, you know, take Saul's lineage. Did it ever occur that David just loved Michael? He loved her so much he killed 200 of those guys. I mean, and Saul had to get them. They got married, and it's a fairy tale. Because Michael is the daughter of the current king, and she's the wife of the future king, which means she's going to be queen, and they're going to have some kids. And the boy's going to get to go off, and he's going to be the king. I mean, it's all great. And then you find out your father hates your husband. And your father is king, and your father hates your husband. And listen, that's nothing new. Most fathers hate the husbands of their daughters, right? You want to kill, you want to kill them from time to time. That's not, that's not groundbreaking. There's no problem there. I mean, how many, listen, notice the cliche, but how many times has a guy come to the door and the father opened it carrying a shotgun. Just cleaning it. It's just, you know, it's, it happens. You just want to set the ground straight. Listen, I mean, I get I got a daughter. She's still, she's still, I mean, she's 37 years old. And she still has guys. And I just like, they're all worthless. I don't even know why she lives. She lives in Alabama. Everybody, every single guy in Alabama is worthless. I don't know what's there, you know. <laughs> so I get it. Only problem is Saul's going to actually kill him. So she helps him escape. And she's probably like, I'm going to help you escape, and we'll join up. And David's probably like, I'm reading into it a little bit. Honey, you can't. I mean, I'm on the run. It's just me. You can't come with me. you got to stay. And so she stays. And then her daddy gets all upset, and then she kind of panics and says, well, daddy, he made me. And then all of a sudden, your dream is coming to an end. And your daddy takes you, and he gives you to another man. You don't want to go, but he gives you away. And then you find out David Marries another woman. I mean, you, you had no choice, but David had a choice. He chose another woman, and then another, and then another, and then another. 
He's got a harem. And there's your life. And then your daddy dies. And your husband, he's still your husband legally. He's king. And there's a civil war between your husband and your brother. And finally, there's going to be peace. And David says, David prevails. And David says, all right, we're going to have peace. I just want one thing. I want my wife back. You go get me Michael and you bring her back because she's my wife. I killed 200 Philistines. I want my wife back. Now, to us, 3,000 years later, we look back and we think this is harsh. But you've got to live back then, man. It's a different time. It's just a different place. Women's, women didn't have near the freedom and rights they have today. And they have it, you know, as they should, thankfully, because of the dignity that God gives and because of Jesus Christ. But it was a different world. But she went back. But here's the thing. She was queen. Yeah, there's other women there, and they have kids, but she is the queen. She's Saul's daughter. She's David's wife. Any children they have, any child, he's going to be the king. A son will be the king. David can pick whoever he wants to be king. It's not the oldest son. We think, nah, man. The legal wife, David later on picked Solomon. He's not the eldest son. He picked Solomon. She is in a great position. Unfortunately, unfortunately, her love's gone bad along the way. Her heart becomes bitter. Her heart becomes bitter. And we come to 2 Samuel 6. Peace has finally come. There are no more battles within, within Israel. They have a new capital city, Jerusalem. And they're going to get the ark. And they go get the ark. And David, they're just so excited about the ark, David just starts celebrating, man. He's, not, he's wearing the, the priestly garment of the linen ephod. Some people say that David exposed himself and disrupted. No, he's just wearing the priest undergarment. It's a little scanty, but he's wearing it. And he's just da- and he's dancing and leaping, celebrating. Now, I know we're in a Baptist church, and it's hard for us. I get the dancing part. It's not, and I'll tell you what, man. I'm as Baptist as Baptist come. I'm so Baptist right now, I'm craving fried chicken, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I need to tell Debbie we're going to Cracker Barrel when we have lunch. I'm some fried chicken. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. But they're just they're dancing. It's okay. And they're leaping. And, and they're hopping. And, sometimes, and we have people, you know, the worship team, can we hop? No, you can't hop. Hop's like leaping and dancing. You can't do that. Our people say, why can't we dance? So, well, you know, David danced. Well, you get the Ark of the Covenant. You bring it in. We'll dance. But until then, no, we're not dancing. And part of the reason we don't dance, this is a spontaneous. The dance is not quarterback. It's a spontaneous dance by David. It's not planned. Baptists have no spontaneity. We don't. The only thing we can do spontaneously is put together a covered this lunch. You know, we can do that. I mean, you get sick and guess word gets out 20 minutes later, you're having 12 casseroles at your house. We do that well. I seriously, seriously, people ask me why don't Baptist dance. Seriously. And I say, because we have no rhythm. That's why. Anytime if someone gets rhythm, they go to the Assembly of God Church. They have all the rhythm we don't have. Could be worse. We could be Presbyterian and have no sense of humor. And we could have that. I, listen, I preached, I preached at a Presbyterian church before. You may say, why did you preach at a Presbyterian church? Because they paid me. That's why. And I preached there. And I told a joke. Nobody laughed. Silence. I had to tell them, hey, I was predestined to tell that joke. And they loosened up. And then I told them, you're predestined to laugh, but you chose not to. And it freaked them out. If you did not get that joke, you need to find someone who laughed. And ask them, or you're Presbyterian, you're not going to laugh no matter what. So here's the thing. Where was I? Oh, they were dancing. Yeah, because we don't dance. So they're dancing and celebrating. And then there's Michael up, up in the window. Because everybody's down there. All of David's wives and kids are down there with Michael. And she didn't want to go with the rest of them. And here's what it says in verse 16. 
She despised David in her heart. She despised her husband. She had contempt in her heart. Her heart, remember David's a man after God's own heart. The heart is the place of the real you. It's the inner you. It's who you are. She despised him. She despised him. When David came in, <laughs> David, he went in to find his wife, man. You know how that conversation went. You know, <laughs> your wife's ticked and you're going in. Gosh, you know how that goes, man. But he's the king. And she lays into him. And she says, oh, you distinguished yourself. Dancing like a vulgar man, like a fool in front of all those people. Michael reflects the bitterness of Saul instead of the joy of David. David had this joy. And Michael had this bitterness. And he was eating at her. That's what bitterness does. I mean, think about it. I mean, life's been hard. Yeah, I've been hard for David, too. David, David had to leave her. He didn't want to. David was, David's probably spent the last dozen years either on the run or fighting a battle. He was either fighting Saul, trying not to fight Saul, or he was fighting his son Ishbosheth. I mean, he was, it's, it's what he was doing. It's on the run. And now finally he got a kingdom and then a civil war, and now everything is back. And he just wants his family there, and he's so excited, and she's so bitter. And it's easy to get bitter in life. And, and, and all of us, at some point, get bitter. But understand this. Michael was right where she always wanted to be. Do you understand that? What did Michael want when she was I mean, married to David? She wanted to be the queen. Be able to have kids. And, and the boys become king. And that's right where she was. I know the path was hard to get there. Yes, it was full of suffering. And yes, it was difficult. And it was painful. But David still loved her. They were right where they could have been. The way they got there was tough. But they got there. God got them there. She was bitter. Life's hard. It's hard. And you lose things. You lose people. And you lose your health, you can lose your job, and with COVID, people have lost their business and everything, and I get it. And sometimes you lose the person you love for whatever reason, and it fractures your life, and it's easy to get bitter. Just like Michael. But here's the thing. A bitter heart will destroy your life. A bitter heart will absolutely destroy your life. And you'll miss out on God having you right where he wants you to be. She was right where God wanted her to be. And she missed out. From the bitter heart, we see the joyful heart. The joyful heart. Verse 12. The ark was brought up. And David rejoiced. It was just celebrated. It was joy. I mean, David had gone through a tough time. Betcha. It was past. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. John, James writes, the very, probably the first thing written in the New Testament chronologically. Some of the, the, actually, the first words other than hello this is what James writes. Consider it pure joy when you suffer the trials of many types, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance and let endurance have its completed work in you so you will be incomplete you will be complete and whole you will lack nothing nothing David had pure joy he celebrated he could have been bitter but here's the thing rejoicing removes bitterness 
And then David had to go see Michael. Sometimes it's tough. Guys, you ever been in a place where you got to go see your wife, you know it's going to be tough because you know something happened? I remember a long, long time ago, I was, just, I was a young married guy. Dick Kelly was young. And it was Thanksgiving, and my mama and my grandmother were alive, and we were having Thanksgiving up there. And mom and Debbie and, and, and Kelly and others had already gone up like Tuesday or Wednesday. I had some work to do at the church. I was coming up Thursday morning. I was having a little bliss. I got up Thursday and went to a nice little Mexican shop that was open then and got me a little place, had me a breakfast taco or two or three, something like that, and got off. I was thinking we we're going to have lunch at two. We were in the country. They ate lunch at two. I showed up about one o'clock. There's a group of women waiting out there. Evidently, they were planning to have lunch at 12. <laughs> Nobody texted me. <laughs> of course, this was 1980, 1990. There was no text. So anyway, <laughs> so, I, you know, I get there and my wife's coming and I know it's about to get it. And I reach into my pocket and I pull out two tickets to see cats. At the Majestic Theater, said, honey, I'm sorry I was late, but I forgot these. I wanted to bring these Cats tickets up to you so we could see Cats when we get back home on Saturday. And everything was okay. <laughs> if only David had two tickets to see Cats. <laughs> Verse 21 is what it says. So David says to Michael, it was before the Lord, Yahweh, who chose me. No, no. David didn't seek to be king. Well, back there in chapter 16, God saw him out. He said, the Lord chose me above your father and all his house because your daddy sacrificed when he wasn't supposed to and your daddy didn't destroy the Amalekites like he was supposed to. Your daddy disobeyed God and God took that away. He gave it to me. Your father, he messed all that up. The Lord chose me and appointed me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. I'm going to celebrate. I'm the king and we're back. You're my wife. He says, I will be more lightly esteemed than this, and I will humble in my own eyes. In other words, I'll humiliate myself even more to honor God, but with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished or honored. In other words, David's saying this, I'm going to honor God, and all the people will know that I am honoring God. Because a heart connected to God honors God, and a heart connected to God, people know you honor God. And he didn't let that horizontal, messed up relationship with Michael Interfere with his relationship with God. So here's the thing about a heart connected to God. Here's what you need to know about a heart connected to God. And the first thing simply is this. A heart connected to God recognizes opportunities to celebrate. Oh, we got to celebrate. We recognize opportunities to celebrate. This morning, I, I really, really early, it's like, you know, Sunday mornings and I was out. I did, I do things to get ready and I was out looking at the patio and the sun was starting to rise over the mountains. Now, I was thinking to myself, hey, the sun rises and the sun has risen. We should celebrate. And I kind of celebrated. I didn't dance. I celebrated it. And I turned and I walked away, and, and I never took my feet off the ground. I just sort of scooted. I didn't want to, you know. I didn't boot scoot, because then that would boogie, and I didn't want to do that at all. I just <laughs> did on out. Here's the thing. No matter how crazy it gets, there's got to be a way to celebrate. Through all this mess we've gone through, one of the things that all of us here, the pastors, and many of you, we just want to find ways to celebrate what God's doing. You look for ways to have joy. Bitter times, yeah. David could have been bitter. David could have had a list of enemies. He could have said, all right, I'm now, I got everything, and here's my list. I'm checking them all off. No, David just wanted to celebrate because God had put him over all Israel. Here was Michael, his queen, she was back. He just wanted to be joy. We've got to find ways to celebrate life. 
Bapt- you know, we celebrate baptism. We have a baptism service coming up the 25th of October, epic Sunday. It's going to be epic. That's why we call it that. We'll announce. Oh, but next week, you'll see a bunch of stuff. Is it next week? I don't think there's no, any announcements this week about it, Brian, or just next week? Next week, isn't it? You don't know because you're the worship guy. Why am I asking you? Find Joe. Joe knows what's going on. So we know this is epic. We'll have an outdoor baptism, and we celebrate. But I remember when I was younger, a young pastor, we baptized him. It was so somber. You know, you baptize him, pull him out. Eventually, he got him in and out. And the deacons say, amen, and that was it. And all of a sudden, people started clapping. Like, whoa, why are you clapping for a baptism? You don't clap in a Baptist church like that. Next thing you'll be, you'll be dancing. They were clapping. And then they started taking pictures. People started freaking out. Someone came to say, what are we going to do if they're taking pictures and clapping? So we're going to let them because they're celebrating. Why wouldn't we not celebrate? When we baptize, we celebrate. There's a video and there's a life and we have songs. We have special T-shirts made up and we celebrate because life is to be celebrated. And when you have a heart connected to God, no matter what your circumstances, you celebrate. Find reasons to celebrate. And a heart connected for God looks for ways to overcome bitterness you got to find a way to overcome because the bitterness is there. I get it. I've been there. I understand. And I know your situation is unique to you, and it, and it can be tough, and it can be hard. Remember what I said last week. God always has a way to get us right where he wants us to be. Where did God want David to be king over all Israel? He got him there. He got him there through fleeing, through being an outlaw, through civil war, through heartbreak. David was where God wanted him to be, and Michael was where God wanted her to be. Only Michael couldn't get past the bitterness. And David found the way to get past it. He found the joy that is needed in life. Remember what I said, rejoicing joy removes the bitterness. You've got to find that path. And some of you today, you're in a bitter place, and your prayer needs to be God. Give me a path out of bitterness to joy. Help me find a path out of bitterness to joy. And you've got to find that path and go. And remember, a bitter heart works past difficult relationships. That's what this was for him. We all have them. Work, yeah. Friendships, going, yeah, get them sometimes, messed up friendships. Marriages, family, yeah, sometimes. And what you need, you need to forgive. You always, you've always got to forgive. Sometimes the other person doesn't want to be forgiven. I get it. You still forgive. And sometimes it's hard. Listen, forgiveness is not easy. You just don't, it's not like that. Everybody, sometimes you make it out. Preachers, well, you just got it right now. Forgive them and get it over with. No, it's a process. I get that. I'm human. Sometimes the people hurt you really bad, it takes a while to forgive them, doesn't it? It really does. It's okay. You can be honest and say, yeah, it does. You've got to make that progress to forgive. Got to get there. Doesn't mean you'll forget it. You think you forgive and forget? Read 2 Timothy 4.14. Paul's last letter, he's in prison. He says, Timothy, come on. Get Mark, come with you. Be careful, though. There's this guy named Alexander. He did me a lot of harm. He didn't forget, forgave me. He said, God will take care of him. That's pretty good advice. But it's hard, but you forgive. And what you do is you seek forgiveness. Because when you're the one who needs forgiveness, you go seek it. What if they don't forgive you? That's on them. You just want to be able to lift your hands up and say, my hands are clean. Do you know why in the Old Testament and the New Testament people lifted their hands up to praise God? Do you know the theological, the theological rationale for that? To show your God your hands were clean. God, here are my hands. They're clean. There's no stain on them. I worship you. 
clean hands, clean heart. You need to be able to stand before God with relationships. Just God, my hands are clean. You need to try to reconcile. I get it, but sometimes it's, sometimes you can't. I understand that. I get it. But you still need to forgive and forget, and then you need to find a way to find joy. Find a way, even in the most difficult of relationships, to find joy. It is there. God will get you where he wants you to be. Michael had a heart connected to God. I mean, David had a heart connected to God. Michael did not. It's the difference right there. Why? Bitterness. Michael's heart was bitter. She never got past it. David moved past the bitterness, went straight to the joy. He looked past all of that because a man after God's own heart finds that. The ending of Michael's story, in chapter 6, brings Michael's story to a conclusion. Sad. One of the, here's one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. It really is. It's just so sad. 2 Samuel 6, verse 23. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child. To the day of her death. She was the queen. She had the chance to have the next heir to the throne. She had no child. She and David went their ways. Neither God nor gave her. David gave her a son or any child. To die without a child as a woman back then was bitter. To be the queen without a child was devastating. David was a man after God's own heart. Michael was not. David was a man connected to God. Michael never was. Some of you today are probably dealing with bitterness. I understand it. And it's there, and it's real, and I get it. And it's hard, and I understand that. And you need to take that bitterness and just say, God, here I am. I'm bitter. I'm just honest. I'm bitter. And I'm letting you, I'm letting you know. God already knows. I'm giving you that bitterness. And your prayer today needs to be, God, help me find joy. Help me get past the bitterness to the place of joy. Help me find that path. Help me find that way to get where David was. God, don't let me be like Michael. Let me get to be where David was with joy to celebrate you no matter what. And, and we're going to be up here. There'll be some guys and, and a gal or two also. If you were other women, if you were to pray with another woman, there's a gal up here too. You can pray with them, but pray for that. Some of you are in, in a tough relationship. And today you need to make the commitment to forgive. No matter how hard and how long that journey is, you will forgive. And you will, if necessary, seek forgiveness. And whether there's reconciliation totally or not, you will be able to say, I have clean hands. And you will get on with your life. And in getting on with your life, you will celebrate. And some of you today just need to make a commitment. I need to celebrate because you don't celebrate enough. You're kind of pessimistic. You need to say, God, help me make this commitment to celebrate every day you. If you've never given your life to Christ, even though I didn't preach that kind of message, that's the most important thing you can do. Come give your life to Jesus. We'll be here. If you want to join our church, come. Whatever God wants you to do, know this. He wants you to walk away with a heart connected to him. So, Father, we praise you and honor you. And we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus and salvation. That in our sin, you did not keep us from you, but you gave us new life. Take the bitterness. Take the hurt, the pain, the anguish, the troubled relationships. You take them today and let us give them to you. Help people find that path to joy. Help people find that way, Father, to peace and contentment. And they'll only find it through you. 
through celebrating, Father, through no longer being bitter. Whatever journey needs to be taken, lead us today down that journey. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you stand? We'll be at the front to greet you. You come.